computer. All righty. Welcome everybody to the premiere episode of Books and Bourbon. Hey, I know the title this time. Look at me go. <laughs> and Stuff in the right direction. Exactly, right? Starting off good. Here we go. <laughs> Tonight, um, well, I have the absolute pleasure to bring one of my best friends in. There was nobody more perfect to think of to kick off this episode, this first premiere episode with. And man, oh. bourbon and books as much as I do out there. And we both definitely nerd out and on a lot of different ways. And um, everybody, I'd like you to meet Max. He's out in Portland, Oregon, out there, back where I used to live and where we connected. And mm -hmm. yeah, so welcome, Matt, to our first episode here. Glad to be here. Two things I love very well, three things I love very much, obviously the <laughs> new books and bourbon. Yeah. Doesn't get much better than that, right? And I love no. that we're both wearing our gay t shirts. Yes, uh, we are. This is premiering the first day of Pride. So happy gay day, or everybody out there. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you drinking tonight matt i actually took your suggestion and i'm drinking that allegiant uh, um yes very good um i'm not always big into finished bourbons sure because i love the taste of bourbon obviously yeah. but <laughs> this one they did it right and it's like it's very the the influences of the finish ca finishing cask are real subtle, but the more I've thought about it, I think that's what gives it that sharp that heat at the back end. Because I know you and I have talked about it on this one. It's a very low rye bourbon. I think 13 something like that, but it bites like a high rye bourbon. Yeah, yeah. Like it bites like it's a good twenty five percent rye, but it's very very tasty. And it's like I like I like things on the rocks anyway, just because I like it cool. Yeah. But this one is this one that heat is just enough that I think I would pro I'd probably be adding some water anyway. Yeah. But yeah. Excellent. It's very pleasant. It's got very strong oak notes on the nose. Yeah. Which I like a very forward oak notes. A little hints of stone fruit in the background, but it's just that very heavy oak on the nose. And then when you taste it, it's just, um, the spice of it makes me feel like it's cinnamon heavy, mm -hmm. but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of that weird thing. Joys of being married to a chef. I've got all sorts of different tastes now in my brain. <laughs> the different sensations connect. Got that fancy palate now, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Damn it. <laughs> but no, it, it's a very tasty, um, very tasty bourbon. I'm glad you recommended it to me. Glad I could get it out here. Yes. Um, <laughs> yay, Oregon. Even ridiculous. Like, I don't even think it qualifies as allocated. I think it's just, what is ration censored something? I don't even know. I don't know what it is about Legion, but we get a case every couple of months. And luckily, mm. it's not a super popular bourbon here yet. It's like, I don't tell yeah. many people about it. Not like, because <laughs> it is, it's a higher, like it. It runs $40 at our store and um, you know, we have about, I think about six bottles right now and mm. one's going home with yeah. this weekend now that you reminded me about it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's very tasty, very, with the, again, with the ice in it, very smooth. Yeah. And it's got that obviously caramel bourbon, yeah. but I like, it's got hints of honey in it. Ooh. It doesn't yeah. really bring the 
it doesn't necessarily bring the sweetness of honey, but there's that flavor, just that implication of honey. Yeah. And I just really, really like it. Excellent. And to get the finish, that finish just has that warm Kentucky hug. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I love that. Hug. Well, oddly enough, I too am going with the finished bourbon. Um, and since you've, you know, from my homegrown states, I decided to go with an Oregon bourbon out there that um, is actually one that, oddly enough, that you recommended to me. So look at us go, both going off recommendations for each other. <laughs> this is what half our conversations go like on. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Mess with what bourbon are you drinking this week? Let's try this. Let's try that. But yep. this one is uh, the Freeland Spirits bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's out of Portland, Oregon. It's that all-woman's run distilled spirits yeah. story that they started with their gin. And then back in 2018, they came out with their bourbon. And it's, you know, the first time I had it, I was really shocked. It's got, it's only 46% alcohol by volume. But it's got a heat to it that I wasn't really expecting. Not a bad heat. Yeah, no. it changes every once in a while. Like I actually, it was, I had some chocolate earlier and I've discovered <laughs> if you have bourbon right after that, it lowers the heat content on the palate. So I, when I was drinking, I was like, well, not, why is it not as spicy? Then I was like, oh yeah, I just had chocolate. That's why. Nice. <laughs> um, but it's, it has that, I love the smell of it because when it smells like pecans, and to me that kind of smells like yeah. that nice nutty flavor to it um and it just like i said it's got that heat but there's when you taste it you taste that cocoa to it at the beginning i for sure and as it goes down you really start to taste the berries in it and this one is actually finished in a pinot noir um oregon pinot noir barrel that's become Um, really popular yeah yeah and it it adds like it doesn't take away like it doesn't take it all away from the taste mm-hmm. of bourbon um it's a very subtle flavor but you can pick up the berries and the grapes a little bit from mm-hmm. that flavor to it so it's very interesting we actually have that pinot noir in our store and i've been meaning to try it and i was like i want to see if i can taste go go back and forth and see if there's a similar like if i could pull out the taste from it sometime but hey what's the what, what what pinot uh, is it what pinot it's is it? Elk Grove. Elk Grove. Let me see. Actually, I have it written down here. Uh, <laughs> Oregon's Elk Cove Pinot Noir. Hmm. Yeah. I've heard good things about the wine. Yeah. I'm not usually a Pinot person. Don't shoot me, Oregon people. I am not a Pinot person, but <laughs> <laughs> I know that is Oregon's premier wine. Yeah. But <laughs> well, this one, yeah, this one, it's got, I, I just, as you can see, I bought this about a year ago and it's almost empty. So it's a good thing I'm going to Oregon soon so I can buy another bottle because we I can't find it out here yet. I've been, well, you know, they just released a rye actually within the past couple of months. I saw that. So I really will have to hit up. Uh, yeah, definitely. While I'm up there. Yeah, we'll go in an evening or a Saturday or Sunday when I'm off work. And don't, well, shoot, Liz will give me the weekend off if you're in town. Yes, good. <laughs> Please, Liz, yes. Especially if I bring you to the truck. Exactly, Finally. yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> August, there should absolutely no weather. Knocking on wood. <laughs> that'll stop me. And I told my parents, I was like, I got one goal. Mm-hmm. See my granny and see Matt and Liz's truck. <laughs> that order. <laughs> so. I'm good with that. Excellent. Excellent. So um, 
while we're on the topic of bourbon, are there mm-hmm. any releases that you're looking forward to coming up? Or I want to get my hands on some Uncle Nearest because just the turn of this year, I think early this year, it's their first one that it's theirs. Like everything, I absolutely adore Uncle Nearest. You and I have had conversations about it. Yeah. But they have, and I, one thing I respect is they're very transparent about it. That mm-hmm. everything they've released up till recently was sourced. Well, early this year now, they've actually, they, Fawn put out an announcement that, hey, if you have a bottle, hold on to it because they're disappearing because those are going to be the end. And we are now finally, they just released their own oh, blend. Yeah. And so I'm wanting to get my hand, but it goes fast. It's so popular. Yeah. She's actually going to be in Portland in June, I think on the 6th and just popping into stores. Oh, I don't know what that is. I may have to call in sick. Yeah. Remind me not to let my boss listen to this podcast, but <laughs> just, let them have a day like, off, guys. <laughs> yeah. She likes to apparently pop in and out of places and just kind of not really do anything organized, but I'm done. I really want to get my hands on it yeah. because what they sourced and blended was absolutely delicious. Yeah. And they were incredibly particular about it. They were. They really were. Only imagine what their own tastes like yeah. and uh, they're calling it their master blend and it's getting rave reviews oh, in yeah. the industry good but it's good like, i'm glad it's that is, be, oh those that haven't had it the backstory to it is such a fascinating story and oh yeah um that's uh, when i first heard about it, watching a tv show something that feed phil hilarious show if you ever just need to relax and watch it that's a great show oh. He's, he's actually he did an episode in Portland for the upcoming season. I heard I that, yeah. And I think God, it is actually today. So I'm excited to watch Thanks. that. Yeah, I was watching it. He was up in Chicago and they were, were doing some tasting and they had that on there. And I was like, oh, try that. And got a bottle of it. And I wish I still had that bottle because again, yeah. it's fine. So <laughs> but I'm both looking, of yeah. their vintages, the 56 and the 83 are just both absolutely delicious. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just very different yes very different i noticed <laughs> like it, it's it, and its price point at least out here is relatively reasonable everything's under 60 a bottle yeah same yeah but it, it competes with just for taste wise some of the ones that you're paying north of 90 dollars a bottle yeah not that i've had much of an opportunity <laughs> i know people who have yeah. let me try <laughs> yeah it's good to have friends in high places <laughs> Yeah, I know that feeling. I mean, <laughs> boss that likes you. Let's open up this bottle of bourbon because we don't know what it tastes like. And and sometimes the $300, $400 bottles aren't that good. No, they're crap. Yeah. It's Sorry, Woodford, but your malt beverage. Yeah. The malt beverage one Woodford came out with. Oh, oh God. If you like the taste of Whoppers, like the candy. <laughs> It's just, I was not expecting that much malty. I'm not a malt fan. I'm not a huge malt flavored fan. So, yeah, it wasn't yeah. a good one. Um, yeah, though, Uncle so I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that. And hopefully, we can get it into the store. After yeah. That, be like, hey, though we told you to stop buying free new stuff, buy this new stuff. <laughs> yes. And then send a bottle out west. Yes. <laughs> yes. For if I get a hold of it, it'll. I'll sneak it up playing with me. <laughs> yeah. How about you? What are you? Because you're out there. You've got your, you're on the, you live in the pulse of bourbon country. So. <laughs> well, um, 
You know, there's, there's always the, the bottled, like Buffalo Trace actually has come up and it's, and I don't think it's going to be out for another year or so, but it's, um, they did a collaboration with Joey Harrington, who is one of the Oregon former quarterbacks from the early 2000s. Um, he came out here and so he did a, picked a barrel, his barrel pick and added a few things to it. And I've heard it's absolutely fabulous. Like it's going to be a really great bourbon. Um, Chris Stapleton has one with them as well. That is supposed to be pretty phenomenal. Um, but really, I just like finding, like we work one plus one fun thing working at a liquor store for partly is you get to try so many different bourbons and you know the ones that you don't expect to be that great you're just like oh well that's actually pretty good and other ones you're just like what the hell did i just drink yeah um there's one that we carry right now that we that is supposed to be coming out with another series it's a first responders called first responders and it actually gives back to first responders yeah very cool yeah it's um really great bourbon. it's got a very lovely taste to it and you know i love supporting stuff like that and like i said the bottle that i wanted to drink for this episode that is also owned by all women's distillery and has very lgbt friendly was uh still in washington dc i had the madam bourbon but that is very popular and hard to get your hands on so yeah, get your hands like, on it <laughs> i look very forward if i have to go to dc to do it i will <laughs> Not that far. You're closer than I am. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a nice train trip over there, which me and a co-worker have talked about. It's, it was a lot of fun. He says it's a very fun game place to go to. So I was like, well, that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, what was the first bourbon that you had that made you go like, oh, this is an area I want to get into? <laughs> it's one that, like we were talking about, like you talked about on your first one, lower end. Lower end. Yeah. It's not visual, so I'm doing air quotes, people. Is <laughs> um, Basil Hayden's actually? Mm. It gets some crap because it's lower price point, but it is. It's a great introductory bourbon, and I got it. Uh, Liz's late uncle Brian um, and his wife Denise gave me a bottle of Tolmore Dew Ten Year and Basil Hayden's for my birthday one year. I, I'd had Buffalo Trace. I'd even had a drink or so of Knob Creek at some point, but those yeah. were always like out and about. Like I would get Buffalo Trace because it was Buffalo Trace. It was the bourbon everybody knew. Yeah. I had Knob Creek when I went out because it was on special where I went and I'm like, okay, I've heard great things, but I was eating at the time and not really paying attention. Yeah. They give me a bottle of Basil Hayden's, which looks cool because the yeah. packaging, yeah. The put, they put thought into everything. And so I, that way I just started drinking it for the love of it in that moment. Like that was the first one I really started to try for the love of it, to detect the notes, to get the different, the nose, the finish, like actually paid attention to all of that. And I was blown. I'm like, oh, wow. And I just have a love for Basil Hayden's, I think because of that, because that's the one that kind of popped my cherry for lack of a better phrase. Like even though I drank bourbon before, this was the first time I paid attention because somebody I loved and respected thought this was something I should try and would love. And so I'm paying attention. Why? Oh my goodness gracious. Bottle is gone in like two weeks, but <laughs> and that's probably only because they gave me two bottles so I could, you know, mix and match. But that was what did it for me. It was just 
And it, I, at that point, I didn't even know it was a lower price point type bourbon because it was given to me as a gift. Yeah. And usually when I went in to get it, I'm in a hurry, get home, get the kid, dinner, et cetera, et cetera. So, okay, Buffalo Trace. I know that everybody knows yeah. that. And I've developed a new appreciation for Buffalo Trace now that I've actually started paying attention. <laughs> yeah. But for me, it just yeah. always goes back to Basil Hayden's. It's just the nostalgia of it, the, the personal meaning of it. Because, um, you know, it's, was his late uncle brian but that's what did it for me it was like nothing it wasn't even anything out of this world it was just hey it was given to me as a gift i wanted to pay attention to it and it opened up this whole new world for me yeah and now i'm borderline obsessed <laughs> <laughs> i get it that is what's funny same damn prices like because buffalo trace got so damn popular during the pandemic Mm-hmm. impossible to find um that actually went allocated for about six to nine months it's the oh. same price as buffalo laid now is like but when i first moved to kentucky it was 23 dollars a bottle to buy buffalo trace because mm-hmm. it was just that simple bourbon to buy and yeah, yeah. It, it'll drop down because they are doing their huge expansion but still i was just like why is this so expensive right now i can buy a better bourbon I to go back there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know there's still one of my favorite distilleries to go to I and it actually has the bourbon that I started like. Same with you. He's like, I've had bourbon here. Maker's Mark was probably my first introduction to bourbon, but it was something I would just go to bars and have, you know, everybody else would drink a bourbon. I was like, okay, I'll have that bourbon because I knew that one. But mm-hmm. I was out with uh, Jamie one night and he's like, you want to try some really good bourbon? And I was like, well, fuck yes, let's I do. <laughs> Duh. And he's like, well, so let me pick you something. And he picked me Eagle Rare. He's like, I'll pick you something that we can easily find at the time. Um, easily find good bourbon, good introduction that actually has flavor. You're you know? lagging on my end. Crap. Yeah. To this day, it's, if I can get my hands on one, I'm buying one. And I, and I did <laughs> last week, actually. But <laughs> it's even when, like, we used to be able to find small bottles of it, like little pint bottles of it. She had to look at like Walgreens here, but even then, it, it's one of those that while it, it's allocated, so it's, it is hard to find. You know, mm-hmm. you get about six bottles of it a month, and but it's just it has so much flavor to it. There's like when I was when he told me to drink it, he's like, just slip it slowly. You know, drink it like you're drinking doing a wine tasting. Yeah, and it when I was like, yeah, and you can feel all those notes on it, that caramel, and you know, you can taste the corn a little bit into it. So it's, yeah, it was, and it'll always be one of my all-time favorites. Like, yeah. I'll be always have a bottle of hopefully yeah. that on hand somewhere. <laughs> Drink it slowly when I can. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be out at the Beaverton Market this weekend. There's apparently a store out in Hillsboro. Or I have to go drop off my kid. They've got like two or three bottles of it. Ooh, so great. hopefully I'll pick some up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's been a couple of years since I've had, a year and a half since I've had Eagle Rare. Yeah. 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 It's literally if I'm going a little higher end, because it's, it's a decent price poor to get at a restaurant. If you're having a good, you know, burger or steak or somewhere out there, mm-hmm. good restaurant. And then it's a good one for that. So, Yeah. <laughs> Right. excellent well cheers my friends to some good drinking <laughs> cheers oh, yeah 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the good stuff. <laughs> Those are good choices tonight. <laughs> and I love that it's both recommended by each other. <laughs> Didn't even plan that, people. We did not plan this. <laughs> we planned a lot of the show, but that was not one of them. <laughs> All righty. So what you been reading lately? Um, I've been bouncing around, but the one... One that I finally got to, it's been on my to-read list for a long time, which is probably a list as long as I am tall. <laughs> it's six one for people who don't know. Um, it's called A Fallen Autumn. And the more we got, you and I got talking about doing this and starting in Pride Month, it's like, I've been trying to expose myself more to viewpoints other than my own, particularly those in the LBGTQ plus community, women authors. Because it's my go-to comfort genre is sci-fi fantasy, Absolutely. which has been almost forever dominated by straight white men. Yep. Like it's just a fact of the matter. Despite the fact, although it amuses me, one of the pinnacles of sci-fi is Frank is um Frankenstein, Mary Shelley. <laughs> yeah, it's you don't think about these things, but it's just been <laughs> dominated. And that slight tangent has always baffled me. And I'm going to be upfront. I'm definitely not making a one-to-one -one comparison here, but sci-fi fantasy has always been the genre for the outcasts, the rejects. And growing up as a Star Wars nerd and a Star Trek nerd, I was always picked on for being a Star Wars nerd and a Star Trek nerd. Like just, I was picked on for what I love. And you'd think if any genre of books slash TV was going to be welcoming to the LBGTQ plus community, it would be the genre that, hey, we have spent our lives, our lives experiencing this bullshit. Yeah. And I wasn't even a comics nerd. Like I was just, I was the run of the mill Star Wars, Star Trek nerd. <laughs> but it's just, it, you see it in the book with the books and you see it with the movies Anybody who's not a straight white dude has a hell of a time breaking in and getting respect. Like comics, respect to comics, because I'm so glad I got into those later in life because they've always been ahead of the curve. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that independent publishing has always been a thing in comics because they were smaller, thinner books, easier to print off yourself. Sure. I mean, hell, if you were desperate enough, you could just run them through an X. Run, go down to Kinko's and run them through. And buy them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they haven't always been answering to a publisher who was answering to stockholders who are answering to audiences. But it's just always has been baffling to me that the sci-fi world has always been so, so resistant to the nature of welcoming in that community. And so it's like, I'm finding myself go trying to expose myself to women authors to lbgtq plus community authors which is the one i found um it's a fallen autumn uh, michael g williams and it was put out by an independent publisher who i've read so much of their stuff falstaff publishing okay they do mostly um uh, urban fantasy sci-fi just great stuff uh their head the head of their company is an author himself, one of my favorite authors, uh, John Artness. I've read most of his series. Um, another one of his authors, um, 
did did some amazing stuff that is for another podcast because I can go down a rabbit hole with that. <laughs> but that's how I heard about this book is just paying attention to their publishing house. And the author, he is a gay author. And is it's sci-fi because it's in the future, but it's a borderline crime noir. Yeah. The main character is a detective and he's trying he was approached by a creature they call a golem which is not like what standard sci-fi consider pictures as a golem which is the big mud creatures i mean you go far enough back to the origin protectors of the jewish faith this is like just the beautiful absolute perfection creature oh cool and he really steers in and it very overt but no more overt than any hetero relationship and he just does it really well and just for me me especially from the outside i was obviously looking for different things looking for things to understand and some of the parallels are just brilliant and disturbing whether they were intended to be or not (laughs) because there's also for they have basically gmo humans in their world like there's ones that are they're called pluses that have enhancements and they're stronger, they're faster, they're smarter. There's the derogatory term is manies. They're humans blended with animals. <laughs> and then there's artisanal humans, which are basically the non-GMO humans. They're natural. They were born as is. And the parallels, honestly, looking from the outside is just kind of like. I don't know. I feel like they're hitting over the head with a two by four in a good way. Yeah. It's like they're, they live on a preservation, not a reservation, but that's where all the autisanal lives. Uh, depending on who is looking at them, they're either revered or reviled, which honestly going into pride month, like we were talking about earlier, it just, that just seems to be almost a constant state of existence. Like all of a sudden June 1st, all of these corporations who, haven't given a shit yeah from last july through this past may are suddenly gonna have rainbows everywhere yeah they're gonna have they're gonna be highlighting whatever lgbtq plus community members work there so it's like they're revered to suit their purposes yeah and in this world there's religions that do the same it's like it's revered but for their purpose yeah because they're so revered, and that leads to another analogy I saw, is there's certain medical procedures they're not allowed to have. Life-saving procedures they're not allowed to have. And it's huh. just like, wow. That's... Yeah, definitely drawing the parallels in that. And it was just, as again, somebody from the outside, it's like, like I said, I was looking for the parallels, but to see them there, was really fantastic like for me like okay he's they're obvious and i think they're obvious because i'm looking for them but they're used in a way that tells such a great story because there are so i mean there are a lot of people who are going to be turned off because okay yeah it's gay yeah the main character's gay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna relate because lord (laughs) knows that's no but (laughs) to be able to read it and just having that knowledge that okay he's 
writing this from a place I have zero personal knowledge from. And so I want to get a better worldview. Yeah. And I don't know if it's fiction, nonfiction, poetry, whatever it is. Writing can give you a different worldview as long as you pay attention. Exactly. Exactly. And it actually kind of helped me understand a little better the concept of pansexuality, because that's the one that always my brain just has trouble grasping the definition. Yeah. Like, obviously, I don't care about what it is. Like, I'm not going to judge somebody for it. It's I want to understand. Yeah. And the idea that there was this world that. Okay, there's different types of human and there's synthetic beings that are sentient. It's like, okay, now I'm getting it. It's like, okay, he's attracted to what this entity is, not the parts that make them up. And for some reason, that just clicked in my brain is, oh, okay, now (laughs) I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. The, The pieces clicked into place. And it's like this, like I said, this one has been on my list for a long time. And I'm glad I read it now, A, for this podcast, and B, the sequel is actually coming out this summer. Oh, good. Good summer read. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's, it was a fascinating, like I said, almost noir. Yeah. Because he, going, he has to go into the seedy underworld to find out these truths. A lot of times the religions were the bad guys, which I kind of appreciated. Yeah. I admit. I, <laughs> I confess to my slight bias, but that was fun for me. <laughs> the terms, like yeah. what the different humans are. Like I use term, then define it. And that is sometimes I think that is can be necessary, but breaks up the rhythm of a book. Like, I'm going to use this term that I've made up, and then I'm going to define it like I'm talking to the the reader. I'm like, eh, no. So he just defines them, and then you pick them up by context. And so I really, it I appreciated that, because it shows a respect to the reader. Yeah. That, okay, you're going to be able to understand this as you go along. Yeah. And it was really fascinating, and they, they have this big bad they go, they're avenging angels, and they're these mythological creatures that some people say exist, some people say they didn't. And one thing that I think was really interesting is, like the room, the term post-apocalyptic gets tossed around a lot, especially in sci-fi. Yeah, this was I think post post-apocalyptic. Hmm. The ancients, which the way he writes it, are us. Yeah, have already fucked the world beyond recognition, and they've rebuilt from there. And it's just, and so you you get to see those little illusions. And it was just like, there was one line that just nailed it on the head. It was just like, how many times has humankind lost itself, forgot itself, and then started over from the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it was just kind of like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that hits me. So it's like... Absolutely. That this sounds fascinating. I not I haven't gotten so much into sci-fi over, up until like the last few years. I started getting more into it. And this one definitely sounds like one that I would really enjoy. I would definitely be adding it to my list. <laughs> and like yours, 
probably as tall as you because I'm only five one, and we know that's not it's still a long list. So <laughs> I don't, it's kind of interesting that because um, I went with a book that at the same aspect I wanted to read something um, from someone else's point of view of a lifestyle. Like it is obviously it's LGBT book as well. Um, but it's from the aspect of two teenage black women and that are both coming into her sexuality and realizing it. And obviously one, even in the LGBTQ world, it's very white dominated. You don't hear a lot of stories of black queer people, which is sad because they have also been with us, fighting with us for everything from the very beginning I mean so it's but their stories just aren't as highly recognized especially in the mainstream so I wanted to find something that what that I could learn from a different what a different point of view is and um these two girls coming out at the age of 16 17 something that I wasn't familiar because I was a late bloomer in that sense but uh the book that I read it's um the stars and the blackness between them by, and I'm probably going to put your name. I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find how to pronounce it. Junata Petrus. And like I said, it's told from the two different perspectives, storylines, voices of these two girls. One is a girl who grew up in Trinidad with her mom, who is divorced, but remarried to a guy that is very involved in the church. And she herself gets very involved in the church and tries to convince her daughter to join the church and she she goes and she ends up falling in love with the pastor's granddaughter who no one knows about it like it's a secret love that they have that they and they don't even realize it's love in the beginning they just really realize they had the same connection so they're always after church go off together everybody always thinks they're just doing like after church sermon work and bible study type thing and really they're just connecting on the beach talking about each other, finding each other. And um, Audra, who is the main character from Trinidad, she has this grandmother called Queenie that is very spiritual, very witchy, very into earth healing and all these rituals to heal a person and of the very island-like rituals, especially of Trinidad from all the way back to Africa that she's held some of these and she spent time in New York learning about dance so she you know incorporates these dances into her life and her and her daughter had this huge connection um unfortunately one day while she is with her girlfriend on the beach her mom finds them in a compromising position and of course freaks out absolutely loses it and sends to sends her to live in Minnesota I mean you can't get any more farther away (laughs) in both location and life of don't you know yeah exactly so she's up in Minnesota it's sent to Minnesota to live with her dad um and while there her dad's very good friends has a daughter that's her same age they had met before when they were she had visited when she was younger, but they hadn't really kept in touch or anything, especially with her dad. So she didn't really know her dad going there. And then, but meets this girl, Mabel, who same age had, you know, her parents both together. They, her dad is very earthy in the sense that he 
loves to garden. He actually, they call it Black Eden, his huge garden that he has. He bought this lot next to the house and makes her work in it all summer long. Like she has to get up early in the morning. <laughs> you know, as a teenager, bitches and complains about that. So say, if there's anything teenagers love, it's getting up early in the day and doing <laughs> physical labor. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, she complains about that. And, you know, she's also one that doesn't really recognize sexuality. She, she realizes she has both interest in boys, but more into girls. I was like, well, I can relate to that. <laughs> I was like, well, that's how I started off my journey. Um, but her and Audra end up connecting. And, but partway through the story, um, Mabel finds out she has this super rare leukemia and gets extremely sick. Like they even tell her she has like a year to live at the most. Um, and of course, Audrey realizing this, like she's obviously heartbroken for her friend and heartbroken that she feels it's her fault because she's a bad luck to people around her. Like she feels she lost her girlfriend in Neary in Trinidad, got sent away. And now her closest person that she knows here in, this, in Minnesota is dying and so she doesn't know what to do and she calls up her um grandmother in Trinidad and asks her what she could do and so she finds out her grandma's like you know what to do I've been teaching you this your whole life just connect find she wants to find recipes and herbs and ways to connect I mean she has her after chemo treatments she goes takes Mabel out to their into Black Eden lays it in the dirt and just you know cleanses her in the sense of the dirt which is a very like a witchy spiritual very african tribal land thing to do mm-hmm. that just have that connection and that healing power and it's and through this process you know they realize that they are in love with each other and she finally comes out to her dad she mabel comes out to her parents and they're like well we know <laughs> we can see it in your eyes like all this and it's and in this process, Mabel reads this book that her parents have been telling her to read for ages for a project. And she finally couldn't sleep one night because everything that was going on. So she picked up this book that her parents and she found this really amazing connection to this guy that had been sentenced to uh, death row. Um, you know, he claimed innocence of killing his best friend in a cop. Um, so she reads the story about him. And she decides to write him, not even knowing if he's still alive. She just takes this chance that she felt that she had to write him because she felt such a connection because he was talking about um, astrology and his ancestors through the stars. And it just, it was such a very unique perspective to really kind of connect like both love and healing powers and just, you know, while they might always not work in the long run, but how you can strengthen and hold yourself to somebody through this love that they had for each other. You know, it was a young love, but they had, they had this power and connection to each other. And, you know, her dying, Mabel's dying wish was to get this guy off death row and be released. Um, Unfortunately it didn't work, but he was able to go, they were able to meet each other at the beach, you know, Audra goes with her, everybody, the whole family, everybody's family, his family is able to see him there and having this connection and watching, like she gave him the opportunity to see the stars, which he said he hadn't seen all but once since he'd been in jail. You know, you, and you, that's something I was like, you know, that, that we all kind of take advantage, like, of, like have this privilege of being able to mm-hmm. walk out. And it was something that like really kind of like, I 
read that when he said in jail, he hadn't seen it in like 10 years and there was a fire in a jail cell, a couple of jail cells down. So they all had to evacuate in the middle of the night. And it was a clear night and he was looking up at the stars and I was just like, and it like hit me. I was like, fuck, that's something I take advantage of way too often. That yeah. just being able to look up the stars and enjoy their beauty. And that's something that is denied for so many people that's what the fuck. And it, it, it hit me like it's, it's spiritual, it's witchy, it's very breathtaking. And you know, these two young girls going on their journey and like I, I connected in that sense of finding their, their sexuality through someone close to each other. And it, what, and it wasn't even so much just, you know, sexuality, it was just their love for each other. And it's, you know, it, it was beautifully written and it's not a point of view that you see so much. I mean, even, and they connected by their differences as well. Like you know, two black women, you, one from Trinidad, one growing up in Minnesota. Like, <laughs> yeah, very different worlds. There. Very different worlds, but they were able to find that connection and grow with each other and heal, heal each other in a way to the sense that, you know, even though it ends in a sad note, because you know it from the beginning that it's not going to end in a happy way, just going into it, but it's, um, but the way it's ended, it's very, it's healing, like it's, you find you find healing powers through how they were able to connect and through their ancestors and like and maybe this isn't the only life that we're all living on maybe i get to come back and she you know she makes this promise to audrey that she'll always visit her in her dreams and audrey knows or mabel knows this is something that she's able to do because queenie is visiting her in her dreams and she's experiencing queenie's early life and her well, Queenie was in New York, which was very cool. Like she had all these dreams that just by hearing stories about Queenie, never ever met her, but she, you know, connected her life to that story. And it was just like, it was so fascinating. Like I had a hard time putting it down. And I mean, it's one of those books that you're sad to see end. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, and I loved at the end of it, there has, um, she has a whole playlist that she puts together for it. But, you know, some Lauren Hill from Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston plays a big part in this book, too, because they connect to that okay. way. Um, there's uh, reggae music. There's steel drum music in it. I, you know, I went through and listened to it tonight before this. And I was like, well, damn, this is, I'm going to have to add this <laughs> song to my playlist now, because holy crap. It <laughs> kind of for, Especially for, again, looking from the outside, people in that community, like, there's healing in a connection there is like so many people i know like you know you were you're blessed in the fact that your family has been for the most part so incredibly accepting yeah don't give a shit yeah like you can't go a day on twitter without seeing a story of somebody who has had the complete polar opposite exactly and so just that narrative of there's healing in this connection it's like yeah we can't make it all better no but we can make it part better yeah that's that's such a hopeful message like that's beautiful it really is and And there is and as a white woman looking into the LGBT community of the black americans black women especially black men that there's such a negative reaction to so many that come out in that community especially Mm -hmm. And to you know, obviously that was what this um, 
mother had and Audra even sits down, you know, she connects really well with her dad once she's finally there. She didn't think she would, but she connects with her dad in a way that she never thought was possible. And she, she flat out asks him one day, um, I don't, or says to him, I don't think mom loves me. And, you know, that broke her dad's heart. And he's like, well, I will always love you. I think deep down your mom just doesn't understand what this is, where this is coming from, but she still loves you deep down. And but no matter what, you will always have my love. And I was like, she had somebody that in her own family that can understand that. And that's, it is rare. And it's, you know, it's, I'm lucky that I've had that, but I know so many that haven't in that, but to read a positive healing book that, you know, that the very beginning of the book was that negative reaction, but the rest of it was the healing from it and being able to finally connect and finding like there, this high school has, you know, an LGBTQ club and that she finds all these other connections with her friends. Yeah. It's like, you know, just 10, 15 years ago, like I think back to my high school, it's like, there was whisperings of one, but it was never super talked about. It was mm-hmm. popular, and you know, and I know kids now have a lot that they're going through, but the directions that they have, you know, that things there, there's progress. You know, there's a long way to go, yeah, obviously, in a lot of areas, but there's progress. Um, that these kids can have such a connection and you know, they talk about their families and being like, yeah, like she's saying to her dad, she's like, like Mabel's dad, when she, you know, she's close to dying that she tells, she tells her dad, Audrey and I are in love. He's like, honey, I know. I don't understand it completely, but that's not for me to understand as long as you are loved in return the way that you deserve. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> That's how you fucking be. Yeah, exactly. I was like, how simple. I don't understand why it's so goddamn complicated. I don't either. I don't either. It's. Uh... I think it's interesting though, because the like you picked a book where leukemia, the main character in my book has cancer. Yeah. And that's one of the medical procedures he's not allowed to have in a, as an artisanal human, arty oh. as they call them. Yeah. In this world genetic manipulation is easy peasy yeah like he could spend a couple of days getting treatment and they could cure him completely yeah but, but because he's an artisanal human and that's the way he was intended to be they can't do those procedures on him <laughs> and that anger is what drives a lot of his behavior yeah and he talks about he's like there's one scene where he takes somebody out. It's like, it had to be done. I was there and I'm not going to be around to suffer the consequences. So I need to be the person to do it. Yeah. And it's just the way he wrote that anger. And it's like, I having grown up in the theater world and done community theater for so long, I've met so many amazing people in the LGBTQ plus community and gay men especially just not being able to donate blood, for example. Yeah. 2022, and they can't fucking donate blood because they're gay? Yeah. It's like ridiculous. The I still... idiocy of, and it's just looking at that and just feeling the author's anger in the words. It's like, okay, this guy's being denied an opportunity to save his 
fucking life. Yep. Because he's an artisanal human. God designed him this way, and this is the way he shall stay. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> That's like, and there's this interesting point where in the book he's offered an op- a different opportunity to preserve himself, not necessarily his life, and just the way it's presented, and I and the choices he, he turns it down in that moment. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? No. I don't know if I want to live forever. I just want to live my life. And it's really intricate the way he deals with so many different topics like the main character he started out as a street kid literally selling his body and worked his way and he's a detective but he still uses that to get what he wants like there's several not necessarily graphic but definite just moments where he's like okay i need to get this this person's obviously into the same things i am yeah. I would give you what you like if you give me what I need. Yeah. And it's kind of like, wow. And he takes you through some twists and turns. And it's like, there's some points where I even kind of lost track of what was happening because there was so much going on. Mm-hmm. But I was never not interested. And yeah. I love that in a book. Yeah. I like, see. I need that in a book. I need yeah. to always be interested, even in the quote unquote boring parts. Yeah which definitely boring there's like i said just so much going on and we he gets to the end and it i like it because it could stand on its own the way it ends the book but it also leaves it open yeah which is great which is always <laughs> and i love the way the golems because like we were talking about earlier like the typical sci-fi fantasy golems are mud creatures brought to life to protect somebody in these ones they are sentient synthetic human synthetic creatures who resemble humans but are clearly mechanical and they pretty much live forever because they're mechanical but you find out that they are actually implanted with the spirits of the ancients aka you and me us of this generation yeah and so we find out oh shit these people are living forever so their perspectives and it also kind of makes it interesting yeah. because he actually engages in a sexual relationship with the golem who hired him. And he talks about their perception, the way they're perceived when they're together out in the real world. And it's just all the different metaphors and parallels that I'm seeing. It's like, he's definitely making some points and he's telling a great story while he's doing it. And and it's kind of interesting because it winds up, because obviously we're talking about the ends of the book, and he gets to a point where the bad, big bad he took out has told him, yes, there are people like me implanted in every religion, in every church, in every government that still currently exists. We will eventually win. Yeah. And it's like the, the golem makes him an offer to become a golem himself. He rejects it at first. It's like, no, I... I can't imagine living forever. Right. Like the, and then like, quite literally on his deathbed, the golem comes back to say goodbye and he makes the final offer and he starts thinking about it. He's like, those words echo through his head is we're planted everywhere. We will win. And he realizes that if he actually becomes this eternal creature, 
he's in a position to make life better for people like him. Yeah. And so he accepts the offer. Yeah. Like the book ends with him accepting the offer to become a golem with the intent of stopping all this bullshit. Yeah. And it's like, it echoes again, just so much of what I see in people like me. It's like, I'm going through hell, so you don't fucking have to. And it's just like, <laughs> very glad I got to this book because it is, like I said, I'm just trying to go out of my way to read these different perspectives so I can understand better. Yeah. Very, yeah. And it's like, like I'm, that's, <laughs> I'm the cis heteronormal. Like, I'm the guy who's, people who look like me have been in control for way too fucking long <laughs> and they've got comfortable doing that. It's like, if we want to change, we have to understand. Yeah. And I'm not going to understand by continuing to just same old, same old. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I agree in that one. Um, do have some couple of questions. We I gathered these from some people around Twitter world and email and stuff. So getting preparations for this show. Um, so a few questions here. What's a book that you have read recently or within the you know, last few years that you just couldn't put down? that you highly recommend or just outside of the one you just read. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Like I, I will, I'm like a dog with a bone when I get a good book. Like I will just want to keep reading it. Mm -hmm. I feel you on that. (laughs) Oh, and I've got this habit of reading like two or three books at one time. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Honestly, it's anything I'm right now actually going through um, one of Neil Gaiman's short stories collections. Oh, nice. And the way he does it, it's just the way he connects things. Like there was actually one I read called The Troll Bridge that he had it. And I'm sitting there and I was borderline ignoring Liz a couple of times trying to read the story. <laughs> my detriment. And it's just about this um, boy who's wandering along the trade tracks meets a troll who says, I'm going to eat your life. Then he talks him into sparing him, promising to come back. And then later when he's in his late teens, early 20s, he runs into the troll again. The troll's like, oh, you said you'd be back. You're back. I'm going to eat your life now. Oh, no, no, no. I've got so much more life to live here. I promise I'll come back. And then he lives his life and he makes mistake after mistake after mistake. And he goes and looks for the troll to eat. Am I... It was a 20 page short story, but I'm like, I got to get this. I am so emotionally involved in what happens. Like the ability to write in a way that engages somebody that intensely in such a short amount of time. How did, and at the end, the troll eats his life and he becomes the troll. Oh shit. (laughs) And the troll goes out and lives his life. I honestly did not see that coming. No. (laughs) And it's just like being able to put so much detail and so much impact into a short story like that is a beautiful thing. And it's like, I've read almost everything he's written and yet he still manages to keep me on the edge of my seat. This is one of two collections I actually haven't read. I love that. That That's always... (laughs) Yeah. I, I have to keep, I'm counting, honey, wait, I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, just give me five minutes, five minutes more. 
I get that. I, I love that. And it's, especially with the life I lead now, sometimes it's hard to not be able to put a book down. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can. I work my job. Liz has the business, which I help with. We have a teenage kid. <laughs> it's like sometimes I only get 20 minutes to read. Like the fact that something could get me that engrossed and, and at the same that. time give me the payoff. Yeah. Yeah. In that right. short time. Was just That's like, fine. <laughs> All right. Um, to wrap this up, if you could have your life take place in any book timeline setting, which one would it have been? I'm going to go with Hunger Games. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> you fucking loon. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> and, and podcast. <laughs> no, um, there's um, one of my favorite, another of my favorite authors is Drew Hayes. And he writes a series called Sword, Spells, and Stealth. Sword I think that's what it is. Yeah. The first book is called NPCs and it brings together dungeon. It's like kind of like a dungeon and dragons type game, which okay. again, nerd. But in his war in this universe, he's created the game world is real. And the people playing the game have an impact on this real world by playing the game. Mm-hmm. But only a select few eventually learn that they have that, that that exists. They can't really do anything. They just know. Yeah. And only select people in each world, the game world and the real world. And just the idea of, for me, living in a world where magic like that exists. And in the course of the book, I think he just published the fifth novel, which was fantastic. They just keep getting more and more in depth and more and more impactful and the our world characters are have learned about this and they're trying to learn more information and trying to figure out what this connection is and i love that idea that there's things we don't understand Mm -hmm. because in in our world we understand so much that it stops impressing us yeah like the idea that we drive along in a car that's going 70 miles, something miles an hour, like that's still like, if you actually think about it rationally, ridiculous and insane. Yeah. It that is. We just accept I'm in a plane now. Like, just like, what the fuck? I'm in a plane. It's what? <laughs> right? Like, I am in multiple tons of metal in the air. This should not be happening. Yeah. But it becomes so commonplace. So the idea of le- living in this world where magic actually exists and it connects these two places. I love that idea. And I love the idea of being one of those characters figuring things out. That's really cool. I love that. Well, Matt, this has been an absolute pleasure to have you. Couldn't have thought a better guest to kick off this show with. And you will definitely be a repeat. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) Is there anything you want to plug your social media or? Yeah, very much so. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, is there anything you want to plug or social media or shout out or anything? You know what? I don't just hell anybody listening, just fucking be good to each other. There you I mean, go. seriously. Yeah. That's what I have to plug, kind of. There we go. I pre- that's a good way because, yeah, <laughs> the last, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Well, again, uh, cheers to you, my friends, and we will talk bourbon and books real soon again, obviously. Mm.
Definitely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This is Katie from Books and Bourbon and Unapologetically She. And I wanted to take a moment to talk about voting rights resources. All of us at the Joyful Warrior Media Company take voting very seriously, and we want to provide as much information and resources so everyone has a chance to vote in every election. The best place to start is going to your state's elections page. Here you should be able to check your status of your registration, register to vote if you haven't already, or if you moved recently, and update your registration information there as well and it also provides information on where and when you can vote. Two other good resources are whenweallvote.org or usvotefoundation.org. That's whenweallvote.org or usvotefoundation.org. Both of these are great resources to find out what opportunities there are to vote in your states and whether you have mail-in ballots, absentee ballots, in person, so it has all that information for each individual state. So you have an idea, especially, this is also helpful if you are doing phone banking, text banking, or just going to another state to help out on the campaign. It's good to know the, what options are availability to vote in that state so you have as much information as possible. Um, don't forget that midterms are coming up this November 8th on a Tuesday as always. And you know, it's important to be able to vote in every single election, whether it's <laughs> county dog catcher, all the way up to president. So every single election counts and we just want to make sure everybody has this opportunity to vote because there are a lot of states out there that are trying to suppress our vote. So being able to have this much information is highly important. Um, it's again, start with your state elections pages to get registered to vote help other people get registered to votes or go to whenweallvote.org or usvotefoundation.org. Once again, this is Katie from Bourbon Books and Unapologetically She with the Joyful Warrior Media Company. And we encourage you all to get out there and vote. Thank you. <laughs>